0: Hoi, and welcome in to another exciting episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Megler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health alongside my podcast partner, Mariska, the three-toothed Patterdale Terrier. And Mariska right now is, she's snoozing quietly. She's not licking her paws. And we know that when Mariska is not licking her paws or her legs, she's been doing more leg licking lately, um, that she's delighted that some of you have been rating and reviewing the podcast. So whether you're listening on Spotify, or Apple or wherever you listen, please give us a five star review, because less stars than that, that does not help Mariska's pause. And if you can throw us a few words in what you like to listen about. This podcast is being recorded in part to bring attention to pause for Patrick. Pause for Patrick is an organization that tries to connect young people with mental health issues to animals. We help people get emotional support, animals get letters so that they can have animals in their home or apartment dorm, whatever they need. And we also have a team of therapy dog handlers that brings them animals to people who can't have their own. So please check out pause for Patrick at uh, pawsforpatrick.org for more information about that. I did not put out a podcast the last week. and. When I was a lacrosse coach, I used to say to my players, do you know what the difference is between a reason and an excuse? And the answer is nothing. At the end of the day, whether it's a reason or an excuse, um, what we needed to get done didn't get done. And so I can give you some reasons. I had a cold, so I would have sounded bad. I didn't exactly. I had a guest lined up that kind of fell through. Um, but I could have recorded. I was just not in a space where I was able to do that. So hopefully most weeks I'm going to be here sharing things that are going on, sharing ideas. Oh, by the way, I do want to put it out. Sorry. uh, Not allowed to die pod on Instagram. So again, pictures of Mariska, things like that will be coming out there uh, from time to time or our guests. But anyway, back to the point, I did not get one recorded so i apologize for that i will try to be um bringing you something pretty much every week and uh if you have again if you have questions from mariska if you have questions for me you can email us at daniel.megler at yesterday was group day at the school where i work and the groups always bring me um, interesting dilemmas was it my q group for lgbtqia plus kids And the idea of how many ways can a person hate their body came up. One of the students in the group he was talking about, he had been recently diagnosed with uh, body dysmorphia. And we were talking in the group the, the difference between body dysmorphia and body dysphoria. So dysmorphia is when you really see your body differently than the way others see it. So for some people, it could be they like feel their thighs are really fat when they're actually not. Um, I had a student years ago who she she saw her nose as being exceptionally um, revolting, and it, it did her nose did have a bump on it, but um, it was not unattractive. I mean, the, this student she kind of looked like a young Evangelina Lily, um, and so she ended up having uh, rhinoplasty to change the shape of her nose, and unfortunately, again, that did not. She knew then objectively that her nose was um, not horrible to look upon, but she still had those feelings. Um, so the student that uh, he was talking, he just can't, he, he can't even figure out, first of all, his, some of his body, dis, it, again, and he also has dysphoria. Dysphoria means uh, just a negative feeling. So euphoria is we're feeling really great, really amazing dysphoria is again the opposite we're just thinking about our body shape size anything it just makes us feel terrible um we talk a lot in that group about gender dysphoria we're just thinking about our gender and where it lines up can make a person feel really bad so his though was about his hair in part and his hair color and his hair is what he was asking the group and the group was saying you know like what color do you guys see my hair as and they said yeah kind of like a dirty blonde or a strawberry blonde however you want to describe that and he's like yeah for me i feel it's kind of got i've got this reddish tinge to my hair and i don't like it and he's like i know it's foolish and stupid that i shouldn't care um that people make fun of gingers and you know red-haired people but he's like i don't like it on myself. I don't like it on other people. And we talked about the concept of internalized oppression. So there are people in every marginalized group or smaller group that from the the main and the norm. I remember listening to a thing about a, a very intense white supremacist who was Asian. And you could say, well, why would an Asian person be a white supremacist? Well, sometimes if you can't beat them, join them, is the thought. Or people in one marginalized community or another who just, you know, again, they feel like an African-American person who doesn't trust black people or, you know, that I hear these things often. There are a lot of queer people who have a sense of, you know, disgust. I'll never forget. Years ago, I had a, a queer young man who he could not say the word gay out loud. His face would turn all red. He would literally want to vomit just the idea of saying it. So, again, in the case of this young man, recognizing they were talking about well and he was thinking i want, i might want to dye my hair might want to make it just totally kind of blonde but i'm afraid as a guy if i dye my hair i'm gonna get made fun of and the other students in the group were and one of them you know after the group was over saying to me you know that he looks this boy like he looks like so almost everybody would want to look i mean he's physically very fit in great shape and There's so many ways and reasons that we can't possibly comprehend why a person would just say, this body, this vehicle that's carrying me around is gross and unfit. And I think a lot of times that's because we're looking for an external reason for an internal feeling. So I feel gross and bad. I'm I'm searching my environment. I'm searching myself for some justification. For that negative feeling, and so we can seize on it. I think that's where a lot of that body dysmorphia will come from. This idea that okay, if my if I if my stomach just didn't have any flab or if it, whatever else, then I could I could love myself. Talking to just got off meeting with a client who I'm so proud of her. She successfully completed the Chicago Marathon. I mean, I will never be able to do that. I, Frankly, I just don't really want to do that that much. But um, yeah, she sets herself that goal and she actually, you know, ran it the whole way. And wow. But she was devastated because instead of losing weight during the training and everything else like that, she found she had gained weight. And this fear, this feeling like, what the heck? And she be, because she was running a lot, she was paying more attention to her diet and the things that she was eating. So she knows I wasn't just, you know, going hog wild all the time and binging just because i was exercising i was trying to you know make myself heal better through eating things that were good and whatnot sometimes gaining weight and having something objectionable about our body can help us to justify um, why we're not fit to accept and receive love this same client is finding Uh, She has found a romantic partner who, for the first time, she feels like this guy could be the one. But she's still struggling with feelings of worthiness. And now she's able to point to, well, because I'm carrying this weight or whatnot, clearly, you know, and her boyfriend is incredibly um, attracted to her, solicitous, and just wants to be connected to her. He doesn't care that she is carrying more weight than she would like to. She has a hard time feeling attractive and it's very hard for her to want to be intimate and connect when she's not feeling good about her own body. And so I think, again, that's this, it's way of making her again outside match her inside and saying like, I, am I really deserving of this romantic partner? Well, I might need to create a reason for him to push me away. And if actually carrying the extra weight, isn't going to do that. Well, maybe if I'm not engaging with him in a physical intimacy way and now again consciously she does not want that she really likes this guy but subconsciously if we're not feeling like we're deserving of that love then we may find ways to sabotage and push things away so our goal my goal for my young reddish blondish haired boy My goal for her is to say, how can we begin to really embrace and love the vehicle that we're in? I think back to my first car that I got to drive. It wasn't my car, but, you know, again, for my parents, let me use it all the time. was a 1982 powder blue diesel Rabbit, Volkswagen Rabbit. And uh, I remember my girlfriend in high school would say, like, she she could tell I was coming more than a block away because the the diesel engine was was this rumbling. And then this tiny car would roll up and my friends would make fun of me and they would call it the mirth mobile and whatnot and i just remember loving the feeling of freedom that it gave me that it was objectively not like a cool car um, but it was cool and fun and that's what we want to feel about our bodies that car you know like the <laughs> rearview mirror would just fall off at different times it, it had uh, issues And every car I've ever had has had scratches and bumps and issues and and things like that. But what I prize about them is the sense of freedom and mobility that they give me and the places they can take me. When my client is with her boyfriend, I want her to be thinking about the vehicle that is her body and the places it can take her and him together. The experience of joy that they can give one another. I want, I always say, again, for my own body, I'm working my way. I'm getting close to uh, my Achilles tear and surgery, February 16th. And I'm hoping that the physical therapist is going to give me the green light to get back to playing old man lacrosse on uh, in November when we go indoors and then my wife is very excited because then I'll shave my beard off and uh, she would prefer me without that. So it's kind of my, my morning beard. It's, it's actually. Fortunately, she doesn't listen to this, so she won't. It's an excuse to not shave. But um, at the same point, uh, I'm really excited that my vehicle, this flawed, <laughs> this highly flawed vehicle that I'm carrying around here, is carrying more weight than it should. Whatever, but I love what it can do. At Orange Theory earlier today, working out, I had heard some research that said you know when you're going through a challenging workout, if you can smile, if you're going through anything, they did a study that had people submerging their hand into a bucket of ice water. And if they were encouraged, if they were told to smile while they were doing it, they were able to keep their hands submerged in that ice water longer. So while I'm on the rower, while I'm trying to do a plank on the floor, while I'm doing any of these things, when I can, I try to make myself smile. And it works for me. It works for me in reframing and saying like, this is a celebration of the fact that I can do this. I think a lot about my father at those times and how at the end of his life, he was not able to walk um, without a walker or, um, and he fell a lot. And I think about, even though I am not in the body shape that I was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, even though I'm not, you know, the person to my left, the person to my right, they're running at a faster pace, um, they're doing, you know, they're in better shape than me, but I can do this right now. And there may come a time that I can't run or jog or do any of these things that I could not that long ago when I was in a walking boot, I couldn't do those things. So at this moment, let me celebrate the things that my body can do. And let me, but again, if it's more, if it's about this feeling of unworthiness, then I have to work on that. Yesterday I had the opportunity to meet up with an old friend, a guy I really admire and enjoy. And he and I, we used to work together on a nonprofit um where we were trying to promote um, men taking more accountability about preventing sexual assault and domestic violence. And he lost his son to suicide several years ago. And I asked him if he had gotten a therapist and he said no. <laughs> he said because my plan, my plan A right now is to kind of just wall everything up, and uh, just kind of wait till I die. And he's like, I'm you know, little, he's a bit older than me. So I said, yeah, but you're not like ninety. And we, this is you know, just he was laughing while he was saying it because he knew this is not a healthy plan. He said, kind of at the end of the day, I still don't feel like I deserve to be forgiven. I don't feel like I deserve to heal that I blame myself for a lot of the pain that my son had. And I feel like that's my cross. I have to carry that. Now he knows about my brother losing his son. And again, I did what I always do, which is, you know, act manipulative. And I said to him, do you think my brother deserves to be forgiven and to feel that kind of pain? And he, you know, he's, and he's an astute guy. He knew what I was doing and he laughed. He's like, no, he does not. He's like, I know I'm being a hypocrite. I know that this is, I wouldn't want this for anyone else. And again, I said to him, as I always do, if we cannot replicate our results in different environments, then we know we're doing bad science and you do not get special rules. Every time we're giving ourselves special rules, every time we're saying that what I did is not forgivable, then we know we're on the wrong track. And who benefits, qui bono, our Latin. Who is benefiting from us continuing to do this? That carrying around that extra self-loathing is not doing anything productive. We could be using that energy to be doing something that is more beneficial to people. And that's what we wanna do. If, If somehow us being that that martyr, that self-blame, if that was actually soothing the soul of our departed person, then okay, I would say do it. Keep sacrificing in that way. But you can't convince... Right now, he had no evidence to believe that that was benefiting anyone. So that's my challenge. It's, it's a little bit self-indulgent. And again, if it was self-indulgent and benefiting if you know, just sitting around eating bonbons, and doing other things like that. If we're doing that, then okay, fine. But at least we get the delicious taste of the bonbons. Right now, just sitting on our, you know, like this chair of thorns or whatnot that we're doing is just, it's not benefiting. Earlier this week, again, talking to a student, she was mad at herself about how unproductive she's been. She's not Getting her college applications done completely. She's failing a couple of these AP classes that she's taking. She's so bright. But yeah, sometimes she's just kind of shut down and not productive. And again, we have to look at that. And this is a student, and I'll call her Amy. I was saying to her, you know, she spent most of her freshman and sophomore year wanting to be dead all the time. And I said, as much as you might not be happy with what, you know, this version of Amy is doing, she's doing a lot better than dead Amy would do. That dead Amy's a really terrible girlfriend. You think your boyfriend doesn't like you right now, the way you're acting. Imagine how disappointed he'd be with with dead Amy. You don't think your college application essays are very good right now. Dead Amys are way worse. That just existing, just continuing to be, is a victory. And we have to give ourselves credit for that. And most of us stink at giving ourselves credit. And that is my continual challenge to all of my customers is, again, that, and I've talked about it before, that good coach, bad coach thing. When I am saying these negative things about myself, how can I, that's the bad coach who's trying to motivate you, but how instead can I phrase it differently? How can I look at what, what could be the benefit of doing this? When I decide that my body is too disgusting for anyone to ever care about me, then maybe it's protecting me from hope. Maybe it's protecting me from trying to have a relationship. And if the only goal, and this is what depression is, this is how depression is a self protection strategy. If my only goal was to never feel that pain again, then this is a good strategy. And for people who have felt the kind of sadness and depression that makes you wanna be dead, then again sometimes doing whatever it takes to not feel that that was the smart move i was talking about how if a person was in a car accident and they brought them into the hospital and it burns all over their body they might induce them into a coma to give their body some time to heal and i think that for a lot of a number of my clients they are using their techniques whether that's getting high whether that's self-injury whether that's just streaming too many episodes of the kardashians to block out, to not feel. And if that's what you need to do for a little while in order to make it safe for you, because if you felt all your feelings, you would burst into flames again, you would feel too much pain to exist, then disassociate, then do what you need to do. But then we need to make a plan for how we can little by little start to bring us back out of that stupor, bring us back out of that place. And when it's too intense and too painful, then we we stop. I could go on because there's a lot about grief, and particularly, and I think maybe in the next uh, time I'm going to talk a lot about grieving a pet, because I've been dealing with a lot of people who have been struggling with the really, really strong feelings they're having after the loss of an animal that they really cared for, and but blaming themselves for, oh my gosh, like everyone's going to think I'm a psychopath that I I really am loving this animal and I'm I'm struggling to exist day to day after this loss. But I think that's a a conversation for another time. At the end of the day, when we are talking about this, when anytime we are hating ourselves, loathing ourselves, step one is we have to say, how is this protecting me? Step two, say, do we need this as our protection or should we really be using something else? Step three, is anybody benefiting from that and how can we use that energy better? So Mariska, snoozing away happily, a little bit of snoring because she's, again, not interested. Her body image is fantastic. She did get her nails clipped and um, looking great. So she doesn't really relate to to this hating of the body thing. But for any of you out there who are struggling, if you have questions, remember to email us at daniel.makler@live.com. and do whatever it takes to get you through this world. Remembering you are just not allowed to die.